0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is with Claire M.D. She's a family medicine resident and she shares with us a very brave story of a difficult time in her life where she went through having an eating disorder and she shares the process and the recovery and the insights and then things to know for people who know someone who may be dealing with an eating disorder and for people who are going through it themselves. I am a huge fan of Claire because she's very, very brave, and I've told her this multiple times throughout the episode because I was honestly very inspired by how willing and how brave she was to come forth and talk about things openly, to try and help other be- to try and help better other people's lives. So I really have to give it for To Claire for uh, being such a champion this episode we did have a little bit of technical difficulties for some reason my mic wasn't working so you will hear my end of the mic being very low but the audio on Claire's part sounds perfect so please just bear with us for that part the content is still really great and just before we get into the episode we are going to as usual talk about our sponsors so hang tight episode will start soon This episode is brought to you by Metalita at Metalita.com. Metalita is a leader in apparel, medical apparel, scrubs, white coats, you name it. You guys can find the hottest gear on their website at Metalita.com. Get a custom embroidered white coat fit perfectly to your body. Women and men of all sizes, find your ideal white coat at Metalita.com. If you go on there today, you might catch a really great discount. Today's discount is... For Independence Day, and you can get 35% off by going to Metalita.com and using discount code INDEPENDENCE. That is right. Happy Fourth of July, people. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Thank you for supporting Metalita. We appreciate you. This episode is also brought to you by Resolve Physician Agency. Resolve is on a mission to empower physicians like us in every facet of their transition from training to practice, and they are providing us with advice that we did not get in training. Resolve uses salary data to ensure that physicians like us are armed with the same tools as the employers. That means we are being armed and able to use leverage to get better benefits, get better salaries, better terms and conditions. There has been one recent physician that has worked with Resolve Physician Agency who had a salary increase of $200,000 per year. That's right. You are not hearing that wrong. $200,000 per year salary bonus. Because this physician took the time to find an agency that was going to advocate for him, use data national data that the company specializes in to match and fight for physicians to get the top dollar in their area, to get the best terms and benefits, and they are the physician's advocate. Go to resolvephysicianagency.com.
1: I work, I just finished a re- rotation, actually a really cool rotation at our Peds Refugee Clinic. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, which is refugee really awesome.
0: Clinic for, yeah,
1: it's an international that? adoptee and refugee clinic. Hmm. um, at our children's hospital. Where is that? Where?
0: Yeah. where? What city? So it's
1: at our children's hospital in St. Louis at Cardinal Glennon.
0: St. Louis. Okay. What kind of, um, are there a lot of refugees in that area?
1: It's so, I mean, it's a big city, so we get, you know, refugees, not as many as you would in like, you know, New York or LA or Chicago, but, um, people will drive like kind of far to see her because there's not that many refugee clinics. Hmm. um, the refugees, she mostly gets, she gets a lot of like, um, Burmese, a lot of Syrian, a couple from countries in Africa. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's cool. Everything's a translator, obviously a lot of Arabic and Somali and Swahili and stuff. It's, I mean, these are the most right in there then. I mean, you might've loved it. Yeah. It's, It's sad. It made me wish, like, I'm glad I'm doing family med because she comes in and these parents are, like, doing all this for their kids and that they don't have any help. And I'm like, "Hmm, if you were family med, you could have done the whole family. Um, But, like, you just hear the wildest stories and they're so resilient. They act like nothing's wrong. Yeah. Like, you're, like, asking if anything's wrong. They're like, no, 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 we're fine. And then you're like, okay, tell me about your life. And they're like, well, this family member got kidnapped, and this family member got home, and we lived in this refugee clinic. And you're like, isn't oh, my crazy? God, I complained because it's too cold at my house. Like,
0: It's it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. They're
1: wild. They're incredible. Some of the stories. So I'm, I'm kind of sad that it's over.
0: Especially people from Syria, after going through <sighs> all the turmoil. They we had a caused. few
1: today, and it was
0: like, oh, my goodness.
1: Yeah. They've lived in refugee camps for, like, decades. hmm And they all, like, they have tuberculosis. They have, you know, like, you see this stuff that you learn in school that you're like, oh, you'll never actually see that
0: in the U.S. Like, a lot of them you see are just happy as could be. (laughs) Oh, my God. They're
1: so grateful. And, like, they don't complain about anything. We got to do some home visits, too. On Wednesdays, we, like, she tries to go to every new patient, like, every new family's home Uh to, like, to build rapport, but also to make sure that they, like, know how to take their medicines and, like, have everything they need and usually, like, to get any vaccination records and stuff, so...
0: That's awesome. really cool. It's really, really cool. Yeah. Uh, so I actually, I asked you to come on here today because you shared a post on your, on your Instagram and I thought it was really brave of you to share something like that. It was, um, about, uh, something that you had faced in the past, uh, that was really difficult. And, um, I guess I'll let you tell that story. Um, don't mind this. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, I mean, do you want me to just talk about it now? yeah, yeah, just like I guess what I want to know is like when I guess what's the background, what's the background yeah on, on the story I, I i know people are like wondering what's going what, what it was, but so
1: it it's yeah, I know like well, it's an eating disorder, guys <laughs> <laughs> I <had a> <laughs> um it's it's kind of strange because I have had a social media presence and a blog for almost nine years now, and at the beginning, I wasn't in medicine, I was designing shoes for a living. Um, I worked at a shoe company. I was a marketing and design major. And a lot of what I talked about was eating disorder recovery. And then I sort of made this career shift into medicine, you know, once I recovered. And so now most people in the medical world and like my friends and people that follow me now for medicine have like no clue really that I had an eating disorder. So it's like this weird thing. Um, so, Uh, My eating disorder started when I was 17. I was a junior in high school.
0: What was the, what was the eating disorder specifically? Anorexia, nervosa. Yeah.
1: Um, And back then. What is that
0: for people that don't?
1: Oh, so it is a eating disorder. I'm hoping I'm getting the DSM-5 criteria right here when I talk about it. Um, Usually a, like an inability and a fear of keeping up normal body weight. So trying to get your body weight below its normal level, um, usually a fear of gaining weight, a fear of having your body be bigger than it is. Mm -hmm. Um, at one point in time, I think the dsm 4 had amenorrhea in the criteria, so loss of a period, but that obviously excluded any men from having it, mm-hmm. <laughs> so they took that out in the dsm 5 because men can also get anorexia. Yeah. Um, but it's usually, there's a, you can have a bulimic type or a, a restrictive type. I think the most classic one that people think of is a restrictive anorexia where you're cutting back on your calories. Sometimes you're over-exercising to try to burn calories, but um, I, I say the typical, what people will think of is like a very skinny yeah. young girl. We're trying to get rid of that. That's actually the big theme. It's, it's National Eating Disorders Week right now, which is why I've been posting, because you can have anorexia and not be thin. Mm, okay. um, you, the majority of people with eating disorders will never be underweight um and so they're trying to change the stigma the theme this this year is come as you are saying that all people even if you don't fit the typical mold that people think of are still worthy of getting help and worthy of getting treatment so um but my anorexia was restrictive type so i at the time this was like pre social media mm-hmm. um pre, I didn't know anyone that had ever had an eating disorder. I didn't know what they were. I didn't, I didn't know I had one, but I was sort of the classic that you learn about or that we would learn about in med school where I was a very sort of like type A high achieving perfectionist. Mm -hmm. Um, looking back, I can realize what started it. And I was in, relationship that ended Mm -hmm. in a terrible way. I got what you would call ghosted now. Mm -hmm. Um, but just sort of cut off communication and I didn't know how to process those emotions Mm -hmm. and eating or not eating became something I could control. It was a control issue when everything, that part of my life fell out of control. So I, you know, started really innocently in with sort of eating healthier and trying to exercise and go to the gym, which are very noble habits that we would encourage in a lot of people. But interestingly, you know, once people started saying, oh, you look so great. Oh, you're losing weight. It's like got in my head and it became this sort of obsession that spiraled into a full blown eating disorder sort of by the end of my junior year of high school. And I got to, you know, a very underweight place, um, so this that wasn't pretty early,
0: early for you.
1: Um, so 17, I mean, you hear of girls that are eight and nine and 10 getting it. Um, so I don't know if it was pretty, pretty early. I think that that's actually a pretty at- typical time frame. A-, a lot of teenagers will go through it, but like I said, anybody at any point in their life can get it for me. Yeah. I was, I was young in that. I really didn't know who I was. I didn't have much.
0: Did you, you know, know, did you know you were doing something wrong, or did you just kind of realize it later on? without? So I knew
1: that what I was doing was not what everyone else was doing. You know, like I knew that most people ate full meals every day and ate normal food, and I wasn't, and I was restricting, and I was skipping meals. But I think I thought it was... For the Like, I was like, oh, but it's good to be skinny. Or, like, it's... There was no point in time that I was, like, I... It was not about weight. I was never, like, I need to be too skinny. Like, I need to be super thin. Um, It's hard to explain because it's such, like, a mental disease that you just get obsessed to the point where the idea of eating, like, terrified me. And I just wouldn't do it. And so I was sneaking around. I was. I was lying about having eaten already. I was you know trying to avoid meal times with my family. So clearly I knew that I was doing something that was different, but I don't think in my head I knew like I have an eating disorder and I I never wanted it. Mm-hmm. You know, like you don't nobody wants to have an eating disorder. It just becomes this sort of like compulsion. Mm-hmm.
0: Um so how long did that how do how long did that last for?
1: So since I was in high school, I had to have a yearly doctor's appointment. <laughs> My mom is also a pediatrician and an eating disorder specialist, oh. was which is she, was she an already, interesting. Was she already? She was already.
0: <laughs> yeah. Was there um, still is she went into that? Is there family history or anything?
1: No. So, um, she kind of
0: fell into it.
1: People often ask that because there is some, a genetic component to eating disorders, but she never had one. And she also never, um, made comments about her body growing up or made comments about my body or caused anything, did anything inappropriate. Um, but she, I think sort of, yeah, she sort of fell into it. She does adolescent medicine and, um, there's very few reasons that adolescents need to be hospitalized (laughs) and eating disorders are one of them. And so by getting into that, she just sort of is now one of the few people in the area that actually does inpatient eating disorder treatment. Um, so uh, I, I don't know if there was some denial on her part that she, you know, it, it was months before I went to the doctor, but Sorry. it was also summer break and she was working and I was home.
0: So when this started in high school. How long did it last for, for you?
1: Um, so it had ebbs and flows and, re- and relapses. I would say my final recovery, like to the point where everything is totally fine, was at
0: twenty six. 26. So you were dealing with this for quite a bit of time.
1: Yeah. So the most severe part lasted till I was about 19 or 20 to the point where I, I wasn't incredibly underweight, you know, almost, um, I, I don't say deathly, but to the point where like, it could have gotten bad. Mm-hmm. I never had to be hospitalized, um, gratefully, but I was at a weight where Lots of people have to be hospitalized for vital sign issues or, you know, electrolyte abnormalities. Um, after after age 19 or 20, I still had disorder eating issues and body image issues and things like that that I, by 26, was completely rid of. But
0: it wasn't as severe. I can't imagine what that would be like. Must have been very, a very difficult thing to go through, I'd imagine.
1: Yeah, I mean... Yes, it was. It's, it's funny now because I feel so far removed from it. Um, I'm 31 now, so it's, you know, that really bad time was over a decade ago. Uh, but it, it was incredibly, I isolated myself a lot, which is not my natural personality. I'm very outgoing and it damaged a lot of my friendships. Um, my first year of college was a big bummer. (laughs) Um, you just, you isolate yourself. You never want to do anything fun. You cause social situations have food right. and I didn't want to be anywhere around food. Mm. So in that sense, it was incredibly isolating and damaging and there were definite bouts of anxiety and depression. Um, it was actually starting an SSRI during my first year of college that I think really helped me get over the hump and start to actually recover and gain weight because there was so much wow. underlying anxiety.
0: Uh-huh. Um, it, it did help you. You said,
1: yes, it did. Um, Totally, totally. So I, I, I'm very into integrative medicine and more natural approaches, but, like, the SSRI worked wonders for me.
0: See, I, uh, I, I believe in – I definitely believe in um, medication as, like, a training wheel or a crutch, so to speak, in terms of getting people better. And I don't necessarily don't, – I don't like using medication or prescribing medication, but I'm not – like, I guess it's a, it's a, it helps people – get to where they need to be and that's how I I like that you brought that up because so
1: I agree and I think one of the things um I had been seeing a therapist so my my treatment team and a good treatment team was a therapist a nutritionist I had a doctor when I went away to college um I had a therapist at college that I saw weekly Mm -hmm. and so I was already doing therapy had a meal plan all of that and like it just still wasn't working and at that point my therapist said like I think medication could be a good idea which I think was totally appropriate. Yeah. What frustrates me is when you meet somebody for the first time and are like yeah let's try medicine before you, you know, and that is a generalization and every case is different and every person is different, but it totally was for me and I think it allowed me to bridge that gap, gain the weight and then over the, you know, the past 10 years I've developed a lot of my own Resiliency therapy, meditation stuff, so that now I don't need that medication. That won't be the case for everyone. Some people need the medication forever. It's different, but that was the case for me.
0: How long? So, so how long did you did you deal with this for? I guess I already asked you that question. Were (laughs) Were people around you aware of what was going on? Were they like? Did they Did they know the struggles you were having? Could they visibly see it? how are like the people around you reacting? Because, you know, I, I feel like there's some people you might think they might have a little anorexia. You never really know. I mean,
1: you really can't tell by looking at yeah. someone at all. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. For me, um,
1: I say that you can't tell by looking at someone because like I said, the majority of people with eating disorders will never be underweight. I was underweight. Mm-hmm. Like you knew by looking at me, so especially are
0: aware they knew what you were going
1: through. So I didn't, like, talk about it to people yeah. when it first started at all. I was 17. I didn't even know what was happening to me. But, like, my, my friends at school clearly were like, Claire stopped eating. Claire lost a lot of weight. But, again, I don't even think they knew what an eating disorder was. Mm-hmm. And to be perfectly honest, and I say this not in a malicious way, but, like, they were not supportive or helpful, but not Intentionally, It's not like they were trying to be mean. It was just that nobody knew what was going on and nobody knew how to handle it. Yeah. So what would happen is they, what people would say all the time is like, why don't you just go eat a cheeseburger? Mm-hmm. Like just gain some, like as if it were just like the simple thing to do. Right. Um, we so don't,
0: people don't think about that. People don't understand that it's not that easy for someone going through a struggle like that. Yeah. Well, because like, I, I, could, I, yeah. Anybody, I mean, I feel like that's such an easy comment to make. Like, yeah, go, I mean, but but
1: it, it just speaks to the fact that
0: yeah.
1: nobody was aware mm-hmm. really of what was going on or of what, a, what an eating disorder was. And we were 17 high school, you know, they had no reason to, mm-hmm. um, it's not like they went to med school and knew yeah. what an eating disorder was. So, um, at the time I was very much sort of alone until I went to the doctor and then I got a therapist. And at that point I had a meal plan. And so my friends obviously saw that change, like, oh, Claire is eating now and, she's eating, but I was very rigid. It was all this anxiety control type A. So when I, when I got a meal plan, I was sticking to that meal plan Yeah, and like, no question, but it got really hard at school because I would bring snacks because mm-hmm. I had to eat multiple times a day. And my friends would be like, can I have some of your snack? And I'd be like, no, <laughs> like I'm an eating disorder recovery. I need to eat this. Yeah. But like, they were just like, Hey, I want some of my friend's snack. And I would be like, you can't have it. Yeah. And it, there were, it caused a lot of tension, mm-hmm. a lot of Tension in relationships and friendships. Hmm. That still is one of the things that upsets me the most about it.
0: Okay. And is this after you recover, and well, do you, do you, is there a full recovery or is it something that you have to continue to be conscious of and, you know, work towards? So this, uh,
1: I say I am absolutely fully recovered. I do not have any urge to restrict. I do not have any, like, I I sometimes joke, this is not something to joke about, but I say that I have, like, PTSD from my eating disorder that I now would overeat instead of undereat Mm -hmm. because, like, I will never get back to that place. But I also don't, like, I don't wake up with, like, oh, man, what if I skipped breakfast today like that never goes through my head so I say like yes you absolutely can fully recover you know at the time that I had an eating disorder I was counting every calorie I knew like I knew every calorie and every food and I was exercising to burn calories I don't do that at all like my life is totally free of the eating disorder and some people will struggle their whole lives
0: what what goes through someone like when you're going through this what is the cycle in your mind, like what kind of things are going on in your mind that are driving this? Like that's such a I feel like it's a deep question. I'm sure I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. But no and I, I I, I
0: feel like people when they're going through a mental health problem, they sort of if you're aware, if you actually have self if you're self aware or you have insight into your problem, you can kind of dissect kind of like what is actually happening when you're very self aware. Did you reach that point? Did you ever like realize like Hmm, I see what's going on here?
1: So at the beginning at its sort of at its worst, no, I don't think I had much self-awareness into what I was doing at all. Um, as I learned that I had an eating disorder and what it was, it's this beast of a mental health issue where it's not logical. Like I knew I needed to gain weight. I knew what I was doing was wrong and my brain wouldn't let me do it. Like I would be in tears at meals, like terrified. Um, and like you can't reason with it, right? Like I'm lots of people with eating disorders. I'm a, like a bright human. Like I can think I was getting great grades the whole time. It's not logical. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I I've worked at eating disorder treatment centers during med school now, and I see these girls or and guys and, um, see how terrified they are and how much they're going through. And, I've been there, I can resonate, but also when you're on the other side of it and you're back to your logical mind, you want to be like, what's wrong with you? Like, just eat. And like, it's not that simple. It's, it's a mental, it's a disease. It's a, it's a psychiatric disease. So I mean, there were definitely different phases during sort of the later phases in my sort of early twenties, I was a bit more on the orthorexia spectrum where I had achieved like a, a normal BMI, mm-hmm. which I hate because it wasn't normal for me. It was just in the range, but I was so into healthy eating all the time that I was still disordered. Yeah. Like I was still scared of gaining weight. I was still obsessive about healthy eating. Um, and at that point, I don't, I'm, try, I'm trying to remember if I was like scared of being over gaining weight being overweight. I mean, there's a ton of societal pressure, right? And at the time I was like society's definition of skinny and I I liked it. It was nice. And people also compliment you about your discipline, right? Mm -hmm. You go to the gym every day, you eat so healthy. How do you do it? When they had no clue that like that actually wasn't healthy for me. And so it took, even though I was at a normal BMI, um, and actually, one of the reasons I am into integrative medicine and into sort of lifestyle personalized medicine is that I went to a doctor when I still wasn't getting my period and she said I was fine. She was like, well, your BMI is normal, so you're fine. Yeah. And I was like, but it's, it's not normal number. for me. Yes.
0: That's, that's how we're trained. <laughs> we're trained I know. to look at the numbers and treat the numbers.
1: And like my estro- – so I got an estradiol and it was like the lowest limit of normal, but she was like, well, it's normal. Yeah. And as, but it wasn't normal for me. And so I was like, we need to be going deeper with our patients and learning more about them and stuff. So I ended, I just took it upon myself to gain about 30 pounds wow. <laughs> and it
0: worked. You, you know, I got to say before we move on, I mean, you're very brave to come on here and talk about this so openly. And I, I just got to say, you know, thank you because I know people are listening and they're either going through the struggle themselves or people who don't know or know someone who is going through the struggle. I feel like it's a... It's a good way to get people to understand because like you said, and you said something very important, it's illogical. Nobody would want to put themselves through this, but the brain, and I've been learning a big part of my, I guess, extracurricular research is neuroplasticity. And the the brain, I'm convinced that the brain, once it rewires itself in a certain way, it's very hard to break the patterns. And I'm almost sure that there's, there's, a, there's a form of neuroplasticity in mental health disorders um, and things where there's repetitive cycles that are hard to break. And like you said, like, the process was illogical for you. To me, that just it solidifies the fact that we need to understand that mental health is a real thing. People struggle with it. People need support. And they're not just, you can't just tell someone, eat a cheeseburger. You can't just tell someone, be happy. You have to understand there's something pathological happening within the well, brain. And there's so much research
1: into what an underfed brain looks like. And when your brain is underfed, you aren't logical, right? There's tons of research about what what decision-making capacity you're capable of, what your, what your hypothalamus is doing. And so... Um, Oftentimes, when people get very, very ill with eating disorders, if they're very malnourished, the, you have to feed them before you can try any therapy or any reasoning. And you'll see people people at eating disorder treatment centers or in the hospital also have, often have NG tubes mm. because you just have to get their brain fed yeah. and their body fed. Not only because you know physically they need that those calories, but like their brain isn't functioning properly.
0: Yeah, I bet it's not getting any nutrients, any glucose. I mean, there's no way for it to function. And, um, I'm just really amazed by how brave you are at telling this story. When did you start going public with this? So
1: I actually, it was like when I, I started my blog right after I graduated college. So, um, almost nine years ago and, I was just talking about it. Like at that point I had gotten over that like initial hump. You know, I said it sort of like 1920 is when I initially recovered. Um, and I am not entirely sure why I was so brave. (laughs) But I think my mindset was if I hide it, then it becomes something embarrassing that I'm ashamed of. Mm -hmm. If I talk about it, then it's just something I went through, just like any other disease, right? Like people aren't ashamed of saying they got cancer. Right. People aren't ashamed of all of those things. And so I thought. Let's just talk about it because I felt so alone Mm -hmm. when I was going through it and I knew if I talked about it, I could help other people feel less alone. So I have for, you know, my entire social media presence and for the last almost nine years, been very open about it. Um, Medical school is a different beast with being open about eating disorders. Um, I actually wrote about it on my personal statement to get into med school, not, not like the entire statement was about it, but I mentioned that it was one of the things that got me interested in medicine, mm-hmm. um, and got me interested in learning about my body and, and health and sort of segued into my personal statement. But I was told many times for residency to not bring that up. Mm-hmm. So with me being a fourth year in the application cycle, I've like been a little quiet about it, but national eating Sorter week coincided perfectly with submitting our rank lists. Yeah. So it's, it's sort of so out of
0: fantastic. our hands now thing in medicine where we have to hide these things and it, it 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 we i mean i hate it too and it's just it's wrong and i mean i've been i've been getting more um unapologetic about just calling out the shit for the shit yeah because there's so much I mean, you and politics I- and so much I get it. Hierarchy exists. That's my um, reality in everything. But mm-hmm. the, the the toxicness of medical education takes it to another level. It really and like, does. And
1: it, you and I both know that when you're in medical education and especially medical school getting to residency you have to play
0: the game exactly right it's a game like, you have to play you have to we all know step one doesn't
1: correlate to how good you are as a doctor but we still have to take it
0: and we still have to try
1: you know mm-hmm. and so i hate that i felt like i was being told to hide who i was and i one of my posts this week was about how the fact that during a residency interview i just talked about it because i was like i'm not gonna lie anymore like i'm not gonna pretend this isn't but part how, of my what life did
0: you feel it's- after that
1: I was kind of worried. I was hoping they, didn't, they weren't angry about it because residency interviews are stressful. But I was proud that I just, you know, well, I you, said you it. Cause... You go to
0: sleep at night feeling a little bit better about yourself. You put your head on your pillow. Yeah. Your you know what? I'm effing proud of myself. I didn't hide nothing. I was true to myself. That in itself, that leads to health. That makes uh, you feel whole. That being th- true to yourself.
1: Yeah. And for me, I actually think that it's one of my best... Not that having an eating disorder is the best quality, but some of my best qualities came from it. Mm. Like I learned so much more about myself. I am a stronger person. I can relate to patients, that especially patients with mental health disorders. So I think it's actually a really positive thing. And I, and I've been forced to to come up with healthy coping mechanisms, and go to therapy. And I get that you need to take you need to be have patient care in mind in medicine. And I get that mental health is scary when it comes to medicine because there are situations like if I were in the depths of my eating disorder where I may not have been able to take care, take care of patients very well. And like relapse is a thing. So I I get why there's fear around it. Hmm. Now I haven't been sick for a long time and I've made it through med school just fine. So like to me, knowing me personally, I'm not worried at all, but I, I get why there's that fear. But to me, like I'd be more scared about some of these kids that have never struggled, that have never had to go through something hard that have never had to go to therapy or learn about themselves or anything getting dumped into a really tough residency and how they're going to react. Yeah. Me, I've built my tools. Yeah. Right. Like I know better. So I'm like, why are you worried about me?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's so, so. True, But good luck explaining that to people with just <laughs> complete utter <laughs> blindfolds on. Um, but you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to trash medicine too much, but even though I'd like to <laughs> but I think I think talking about things any failure anything that you are struggling with it's counterintuitive to what actually happens because you free yourself a little bit of it so I mean there's many examples of this I've talked about like my failures socially publicly posted my look at where it got you but not only that yeah. you know like it it made me feel good about myself I didn't have anything to hide I have nothing to hide I respect you so much for that. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that.
1: Like, not matching is, like, everyone's biggest fear, and you have, like, been this beacon of hope and showing how you can turn it into the most positive thing ever, and that's so big. I
0: love that. Thank you. Thank you. And so. I, have to give, I have to actually give credit to a friend of mine. Um, his name is Hassan Bazi. He, he posted on Facebook, and sometimes you find inspiration from people who do something – you know, brave, and it makes you want to do something brave. So he had posted it on our Facebook. We both applied to PM&R, and he had posted he didn't match and just kind of typed it out. I was like, man, this guy's brave. Like, I'm going to be brave too. And I went and posted, you know, we're sorry, you did not match. And I put it on there, and I m- said my truth and my piece on there, even though I was still angry at the time. And uh, that alone helped me get through the next three months and I think if I didn't do that I wouldn't have matched if I didn't accept that immediately get to the next stage of where I need to be because you can live in denial for so long you can, can wallow yeah, yeah you can live in anger for so long if you if you make making a decision to accept something and to embrace it and and not get down about it either and just move forward focus on the target get past it you know, work on getting better every single day, that is the most empowering thing you can do. And so someone's going to see your story, see you talking about it. And they're going to be like, you know, maybe if I talk about it, maybe if I don't hide behind this anymore, maybe I'll feel a little bit more free. Maybe I'll be able to get past this just like you did. And that's my hope.
1: And then I hope now by, you know, I don't, I don't talk about it all the time. I, you know, I, it's National Eating Disorders Awareness Week, which is why I've been talking about more recently, but it's not the entire focus um, of what I talk about anymore. But part of what I just, why I just like share my normal life now is to show people that like you can have a normal life and like life is so much better if you recover. I don't know what I was worried about. I thought I wouldn't, no, no guy would ever love me if I gained weight. I thought I'd, nobody would ever like, you know, all these fears, irrational fears that you have. And so by me being able to be like, look, I'm finishing med school and I go and I eat pizza and drink beer with my friends and I have an awesome boyfriend, you know, it's like life is so much better. And I just want everyone to get there Mm -hmm. and, and not you there's everybody's recovery is different. And there's always just like one thing that clicks for you.
0: What, that would makes you like, what would you tell someone going through this right now? Because, like you just said, there is, there is a light. You can get to a place because anybody struggling with something feels like they're never going to escape it. They're never going to get past it. They can't see what life looks like on the other end when they're no longer in that state. What's you, what's been your experience now that you're on the other end? It's
1: it's so much better. Like every once in a while, I'll have a moment where I'm just like. I can't, I'm I can't believe I can do this now. You know, like every meal was agony before every day I woke up and all I could think about was what I was going to eat. If I had to go out to dinner, all I worried about was like checking the menu and finding something I was going to eat. Like my whole life was consumed around what I was going to eat and whether or not it was going to be okay and safe. And I had no brain capacity to do anything else. Like I say, it stole my work ethic. I had all of the eating ethic in the world. I was the world queen at healthy eating, but like I'm a, I'm a type A perfectionist, high achieving person. And it like stole my work ethic. Cause I didn't have the brain capacity. I was missing my missing dinners with friends. I was not, I think I wasn't going to like networking lunches and like meeting really important people. And I was like, I'm ruining my future. Mm-hmm. Like I can never be the person I wanted to be. And it took recovery is so hard and it's often relapse. Like the relapse rate of, of eating disorders is very high. And so I think people get discouraged because they'll relapse once or twice or a million times, or like, it's hard, isolating, terrifying, emotional work. And they, I want people to see that it's worth it. Mm -hmm. And like, it does happen. I think people can maybe give up because they're like, I'm never going to get there,
0: Mm -hmm. you know? Well, and what, I want people to feel like do, you can get there. How, like, what is your best piece of advice to get there, to 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 heal yourself? I guess.
1: Well, so I can't make anyone heal themselves and make anyone develop a healthier relationship with food. I can share a ton of different things I did that helped, but I would say my my main motivation and what I tell people is think about the person you want to be. So this is a little morbid. Think about your funeral. What do you want people to say about you? Do you want her to, them to say like, "Man, she didn't really hang out with us much and she kind of played it safe, but she was skinny." You know? <laughs> or do you want them to talk about how fun you were and how loving and how much good you did and stuff? And and, and in the same vein, how think about
0: all the people you for facing it.
1: Right. And in the same, yeah. so in the same vein, think about all the people you admire most in the world, like, you know, my mom or some role model or some amazing person in your desired career field. And then like, think about all the things you admire about them. I don't think it's like that they have really toned arms. And if it is, then maybe your priorities are a little out of line, but like, (laughs) um, none of it, like I was thought about my favorite people or like my friends where I was like, man, she's so awesome. And what, and none of it was like, she's skinny. Mm -hmm. You know, none of it was like, she eats really healthy. That's just not what's important. Mm -hmm. And so I had to recognize that like what I was putting all of my effort into was a total disconnect to what I actually valued. Mm -hmm. And it took a lot of hard work for me. It was, um, God had a huge role. I know for everybody that won't be the same way, but like it was a ton, a ton of like deep, deep work and months to get there. And be at a place where i say i got so angry that that was what was ruling my life that i would have rather been any size like i was like i'm gonna eat and eat and gain the weight until i get healthy until my brain's healthy until my body's healthy so i don't care what i look like as long as i'm not trapped in that hell anymore
0: mm.
1: like as long as my mind can finally be free
0: it sounds like with what you just said it sounds like you had like a mind, like a frame of mind shift I guess. Like, totally. Like you just framed things a little bit differently. And I was the, just like, life has to be better than this. You are looking at the bigger picture. You were looking at what's your legacy going to be. That's beautiful. Yeah. I believe in that. I believe yeah. I believe in that 100%.
1: And it takes time to get there, right? Like when you're in the very big depths, like I said, if you're totally underfed, your brain doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. I was, this was when I was at my place where I was, you know, my healthy BMI. I was, um, I was eating. I just wasn't eating enough for me, and I was still very worried. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that therapy and a, a good therapist that clicks with you and that's super important
0: what to be able to help work like through those therapy.
1: things. How did that help you? I love therapy. I still go to therapy. How's that, really how's that benefit, benefited you? Um, It taught me a lot about myself and who I am and how I process emotions. You know, therapists know what questions to ask to make you question yourself, Mm -hmm. sort of. You know, why do I feel that way? What is that doing for me? How can I change my mind shift? Cognitive behavioral therapy. I say I've done so much of it that I can CBT myself now, you know? (laughs) So you can, like, recognize when your thinking is irrational Mm -hmm. and when it's damaging and, like, choose to change your mindset.
0: Were you Um, labeling things were you putting labels on thoughts? Were you identifying, you know, what the thought process that was happening was?
1: So I'm trying. To, I I can't really recall the exact therapy I work. I was doing like 14 years ago. Um, I think it was a lot of processing, like why I was feeling certain ways, what I was scared of, things like that. Um, and I've continued to go back to therapy at different phases of my life. I. I think therapy is great all the time, but there are certain phases of your life where you get out of it in certain phases where you can't afford it or can't, you know, yeah. but it is just, it's taught me the vocabulary that I didn't know existed. Like when I had anxiety, I didn't know what anxiety was. Yeah. And I didn't know how it worked. And I didn't know that it wasn't normal. Right. Like I thought everybody's brain functioned the way my brain functioned, which was like constantly worrying about everything yeah. and constantly thinking the worst. And to be able to say like, no, that's not normal. And that's your brain playing tricks on you. And this is how you can reframe that. Um, and sort of, you know, there's maladaptive perfectionism and what is that even? And it's just so, so helpful. We, um, my former Dean at the medical school, he's no longer our Dean, but he's still my mentor cause he's awesome. Um, he did a ton of wellness work with our medical school. He's actually the, um, sort of like the wellness chair for ACGME now, which is awesome. Oh, nice. But he w- did an entire resilience curriculum with us first and second year of med school where he talked about maladaptive perfectionism and like the damages that medical school and medical education can have on people. And that was a huge reason of why I chose my medical school. Cause I was like, that guy gets it. Yeah. Like I know med school is going to be hard and I know that I already have anxiety. Like I need that mm.
0: to help me get through it.
1: Therapy's the best.
0: Yeah, it sounds uh um, that, that's amazing. I'm yeah. really I'm really happy that you're sharing this to be honest. It's just I I really think you are I know I've already said this like 3 times but it's brave. Like where did you get this kind of courage? Was it just kind of just, Was it just kind of easy to talk about it? Cuz it's so maybe I'm thinking about like my own home community because I know there's so much stigma around mental health back home for me. And for like the people in our community, because a lot of people suffer in silence and it's not really talked to, it's just, it's more taboo in other cultures. I think,
1: I think part of it, you know, I said earlier, I'm not really sure why I did it. And I still am not entirely sure why, but I think in some ways, especially, you know, this was like the end of college. I think in some ways sharing it sort of like explained myself. I felt like for the past, you know, five, six years from when I was 17 to finishing college, I would act weird and I was eating weird. I was rigid and this, and it sort of was like, Hey, this is why, like it's an illness. And so in some ways I think it was like, I had personal benefit to like show people like, yeah, I'm not just a girl, you know, which is terrible thing to say, (laughs) but like I was sick and yeah, I don't know what, what got into me, but the minute I started sharing about it, you would not believe the flood of emails you get, which I'm sure you agree through match stuff. Like yeah. when you share stuff like that, people are like, thank you, thank you. Um, I'm sick too. People come out of the woodworks. Like people I hadn't talked to in years, friends from high school that I had no idea were, were struggling, were emailing me and that makes it all worth it, right? When somebody's like, you gave me the courage to get help or like to know that I'm not alone, that makes it all worth it.
0: Mm. So, you said up, you, you mentioned earlier it was up in, 26 was like the breakthrough for you?
1: Yeah. Around the time. Yeah, I would say so, like 25, 26.
0: Okay. What was that was like? Huge... Is there something specific or was, did you finally realize, you know, I'm I'm actually past this now?
1: So that was sort of the period where I was sort of on the orthorexic spectrum where I was at my healthy weight, but I realized I, I wasn't getting my period, which is not healthy for a female. Um, and I knew that. I was the lowest of the healthy BMIs, right? So it wasn't like, a, and it, there was just a lot of things coming together. I was starting to have um, sort of like binge type episodes with food where I like felt out of control and I didn't know what was going on and I was still in the sort of like living hell. And that was when I was like starting to pursue medicine. And I think I was just like, I can't live like this anymore. I started reading some things online talking about how that's not that unusual. Like if you are still under eating, like if you're, even if you're a healthy, quote, healthy weight mm. by, you know, medical standards, that might not be enough for you. And I could be, I was binging because my body wasn't getting enough food, mm. even though I was thought I was eating enough. And that even though I was at a healthy BMI to get my period and to be healthy, I probably needed to be a little bit heavier. And so I was like learning all these things about my body and endocrinology. And finally was just like, I have to do this. I can't live my whole life like this. Part of it for me was like, I want to be a mom one day yeah. and I'm not getting my period. Like those don't, two things don't go together. Mm-hmm. So it was like this huge culmination of like, okay, I'm doing this once and for all. Um, and it took a lot of work. I mean, I, I, I had to buy all new clothes cause none of my clothes fit anymore. You know, I was, I was gaining weight. It was uncomfortable. You're in this new body. You don't know what to do with it. But eventually once you just give in and start to try to listen to your body and trust it, I talk about intuitive eating a lot and no foods are off limits. No foods are good or bad. You just kind of eat whatever you feel like, Mm -hmm. um, your body, my body, like it went up, it sort of leveled out. And now I'm at, I don't even have to think about it. I could literally go on vacation and eat a gazillion cookies and pizza and whatever Mm -hmm. you come back home. You're like, Oh, I should eat a salad. And you do like, I don't weigh myself. It's once a year at the doctor. And I just stay the same. That's awesome. And like your body likes to likes its set point, right? Like homeostasis. Like once you get to that good place where it trusts you, life is so good, and you don't have to count calories. And you don't. I mean, I'm never I'm never gonna be a fitness model, but like,
0: I mean, life is so much better. In shape shape, though, you look like you're in shape.
1: I love to work out. Like I love exercise. It's good for my anxiety. Like
0: a healthy person. You look, you look healthy to me. Yeah,
1: I am. I'm, I'm, I think I'm exactly where my body wants to be. And I exercise cause it's really good for you and it's important. And I try to eat nutritiously cause that's really good for you. But I also eat pizza and drink beer and I like chocolate way too much, you know? And it just, I'm at this point where my body's just like healthy and happy here.
0: That That's a very inspiring.
1: <laughs> it, you could get there. That's why yeah. I tell people. Like, I think I felt like, and I think a lot of people feel like this, that if you aren't tracking your food, like if you aren't tracking your macros if you aren't counting calories if you aren't doing some sort of diet and if you aren't like counting your calories that you burn every day that you're gonna like
0: blow up Mm, yeah that's the conversation i've been having this conversation so much on my podcast where it's like like let's cut the bullshit let's just at least be common sense proactive about about our society like diets you know let's do the things that we know to be true that are very simple like Don't eat processed foods most of the time. Let's try to eat mostly
1: good, nutritious food, but not go wild and not limit anything. Let's try to get some exercise most days of the week because it's really good for you.
0: Exactly. And the the conversation should be so simple, but we, we complicate everything. And people have a reason to complicate. Some people profit off fads. Some people have a reason to promote a certain idea. It's cool. Intermittent fasting definitely helps. I've seen benefits from intermittent fasting.
1: Totally. And there's some really cool research on, like, not just weight-related stuff with intermittent fasting. You're right. There's, like, other longer-term benefits that I think are really interesting. But that's where individualized medicine comes in, right? Like, for me, any sort of diet is never going to be appropriate. Mm -hmm. Um, I shouldn't say never. But anyway, like, I have to be very cautious with those. There are some people where losing weight is going to be very beneficial to them. And so you have to work with them and figure out the best, most appropriate way to do it. Um, I think one of the hardest things about sort of like just eat healthy and just exercise and making it really simple for girls, especially, but also for guys is being okay with what, what size your body wants to be and recognize that not everybody's going to be a size zero, right? We live in a culture where size zero is, is what's desirable. And like my body is not meant to be a size zero. Your body might be healthy at like a size 10 or 12, whatever. I don't like talking about sizes, but like your natural body type might not be society's definition of pretty or Instagram perfect. And like you have to accept that.
0: Yeah. What do you think? And that's of, really hard. What do you think of like, there's been some news of, you know, young girls um, with, uh, with social media on the rise and, all like this new image of what every girl should look like know this struggle this is a problem it's men struggle with this too but not nearly to the degree that i think women struggle with it and there's uh i think there's reference to this in like uh, that book coddling of the american mind and, mm-hmm. Um it just shows that the suicide rates and the depression rates of young women is just out the door out the roof um, yeah. Yes.
1: Part of my research that I do is on anxiety and depression rates in
0: high school students and high school
1: girls. And they have some of the worst in, in, in the limited populations that we've studied have worse depression rates than like med students, <laughs> like depression, anxiety rates. Mm-hmm. I am so grateful that social media did not exist when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. You know, it's bad enough as is now because I'm still,
0: how do you think that would have people. affected you?
1: Oh, they would have made everything a million times worse. Because you're seeing like, people, this, you're comparing. This happens to, people, to be, or why?
0: What is the reason? Yeah,
1: I mean, so I I developed anorexia without looking at pic- pictures of fitness models and celebrities on social media all day. Like, imagine what would have happened if I was. Mm. Like, no matter what, you look at. You're just looking at pictures of people who are paid to be fit, who are, or who are the one percent of the population that is like naturally very fit and then it's getting ingrained in your mind that like that's what you should be and that's what's desirable um i have said multiple times even though obviously this is like not an ethical normal thing to do but i'm like i wish social media were banned until you were like 21 or like pass some sort of resilience test (laughs) like
0: we're not going to know the effect this has on brains on the brains of young people. Well, there's the
1: brain side of it, right? Yeah. There's like the what is looking at the, a screen all day and stuff do to your brain, well, but just
0: the mental side mean, of it. I'm sure that comparing yourself, looking at people, having this ideal, that's also affecting your brain. And oh your yeah. Values and you know you think oh, you always this you always have to reach you have to be like these these people that are all on the front page. You gotta you have yeah. to be that person because when you open up your phone that's who's there. And you want to be like them. You want to have all those likes. You want to have all those followers. You And
1: every be- ad is telling you, try this diet, try this new fitness. You know, like I see like high school girls at the gym now doing like these crazy fitness routines that like, I never, I never did that. Like, and I get down on myself sometimes too for having a social media account. Cause I'm like, what if somebody's comparing themselves to me, right? Like I'm not a size zero, but what if somebody is looking at me and being like, I need to do better. And I need to you know, do whatever, to be like her.
0: Like, I never want to be the cause of someone's... I think you're spreading a lot more positivity than anything like that, and I... I, I hope. <laughs> yeah, I, there's a lot of accounts out there that you could easily look at, and they're just all over our... And, you know, for guys, it's not really, like... If you're like for, I mean, maybe some guys feel like they, they need... A to
1: lot more guys that. than you think, I think, feel a lot of pressure. Yeah. There's this whole, like, buff guy
0: Yeah, thing but on. I never understood that, but... Um, I guess there is this kind of image of what men should look like. I mean, I don't. know. Granted, I have no hair. <laughs> I really could. You care are less. the image. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, well, you know, like, man, for guys, self-esteem. I guess for guys and girls, just self-esteem is a is a difficult thing to build if you haven't been. It's a combination of things. I mean, I'm lucky because uh, I was fortunate to have a mom that just just pumped me up with self-esteem, and uh, you know, I feel like for people that that struggle with that, it's it's a it's a hard place to go from because you need to learn you need to learn things that you weren't taught in childhood. And you got to learn how to develop and, and build that inner confidence over time. And it takes work. It takes someone to kind of show you how and support you and believe in you. And I'm, I'm really convinced that a lot of things that we go through, the human experience, um, is learned. And it's our More. job to, to, to go through life and to learn how to 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 be that better version of ourselves, to reach... To fix whatever we had no control of fixing before, but now we might have some control over it. To take a little, like, I feel like you took a lot of responsibility on yourself.
1: And that's, so that's the other situation with social media. And I don't think you can expect this of 12-year-olds. But at some point as an adult, you have to take responsibility over what you're consuming, right? So every once in a while, I'll, I'll, like, recognize that looking at some account doesn't make me feel good. And I delete that delete that person, oh, man, right? That. No offense. No offense to that person. Somebody else might really love, it.
0: <laughs> <Just like that.
1: laughs> but, but you do have to take some responsibility over what you're consuming because not every single thing, you can't expect every single thing in the world to like
0: be good for you personally, yeah.
1: right? Like everybody's different. I can't expect the entire world to change to like accommodate me and my needs.
0: I want everybody listening right now to go unfollow 10 people yeah, that's a good eyes.
1: one. And especially there's, and there's some people that I've unfollowed that are, like, super popular. There's some people within the medical community yeah. that are, like, the most popular people. Well, and I realize when I look at their accounts, they make me feel like crap.
0: There's some, very you say there's, a lot of, there's some very cringeworthy accounts in the medical Instagram. <laughs> like I
1: agree. My, um,
0: <laughs> my eyes will roll to the back of my head sometimes. And I'm sure people look at my posts and they, like, roll their this, eyes at
1: the same, the same, same
0: here. You know, right?
1: So, I know people are doing that to me too. Everyone's different, but like even if they are like the most popular person and everyone else seems to love them, like if they're not good for you, delete. Yep. Like done. But but you can't you can't expect kids that are 12-15 to have that type of insight. Like their brains are still developing. That's that's why I think social media is like so terrible for them specifically. But I know it's also a way that they, like, communicate and have friends now. So it's, like, a really tricky situation. But more and more schools are adding, like, resiliency and mental health curriculums, like high schools and even grade schools and stuff, because we realize that learning those skills at a young age, like learning that vocabulary of being able to say, like, that thought, is maladaptive perfectionism or, like, that this is so huge for their well-being.
0: Yeah. We're going to have to. I mean,
1: like, we don't need parallelograms, right? it <laughs> taxes and mental health.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs>
0: is your dog? Is your
1: yeah, sorry. He's telling us it's time, isn't it?
0: That's okay. Um, I had one more thing. Hold on. Well, just bouncing off of that, we yeah. to, like, society at some point is going to have to evolve with the way... Um, we're evolving with social media and the internet and AI and things like that. We have to learn to adapt and figure out ways to, to kind of keep ourselves um, from ex- experiencing all the harmful effects of, like, social media. This is all uncor- uh, uncontrolled. This is, yeah. like, people just binging alcohol without knowing the yeah, products, you know? right? So we and still it, don't know it, the it, bad effects of it. And, 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 and I'm, like,
1: so guilty part. of it, too, right? Like, I'm totally addicted to my phone. Yeah. And it scares me and I know that I need to not, but you're right. I think that we're going to look back like, you know, a decade from now or something and be like, Oh man, Yep. like, Ooh.
0: Yeah. Mm. I agree. Hey, this has been uh, a really good talk. And I know that people listening are either, this is going to change somebody's life and someone's, I hope people, you know, that might be going through a struggle, know that there's hope there's, um, there's hope on the other side. You can make it. And this is going beyond medicine. This is what this podcast is about. This is what I started this podcast for. It's to reach people, to get them to think outside the box, to get them to see that there is more to what you're struggling with. And there's, another, there's a there's a positive to it. There's always a positive. And, uh, yep. Claire, you can create you. one. Any, You're any very words? welcome. Where can people follow you, read more about your story, and all of that?
1: Yeah, so um, my Instagram is fitting it all in. That's also the name of my blog. That may potentially change once I graduate. <laughs> I may I may rebrand a little bit. I'm still deciding, but for for the time being, yeah, it's it's at fitting it all in and fittingitallin.com.
0: Awesome, Claire, Thanks a lot. I appreciate you. You're a brave person, and uh, you. Know, you too. You know, we'll, we'll stay in touch. You got the match coming up soon, so I'll be praying for you. Two weeks. And uh, I know you're going to end up where you're supposed to be. Thank so, you. All right. Peace. All
1: right. Thanks for having me. See ya.
0: Hey, podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I hope we brought you some practical, good advice that you can apply to your life. Guys, if you could please do us the favor of sharing this telling people about it, leaving us a comment, subscribing, all that will help us grow and help us spread our message. Also, if you'd like to support our podcast, you can go to our website and click support and it will help us grow this podcast and continue doing what we are doing and bringing you more high quality guests like the one you just heard. Thank you guys. Peace.